<laughs> it is good to be home. I, I, uh, this, last, this last week I had the opportunity to be in Riverside, California for a, <clears throat> did I just hear a whoop for Riverside? <laughs> for a trustee meeting of the IMB, of the SBC. I was in AGM's hearing from AGL's, and we were talking about TCK's. If you can kind of gather from that, the IMB, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, our trustees met, and we met with our affinity group meetings and heard from our affinity group leaders and we talked about TCKs. I sat in this meeting and there's probably 20 of us in the room and they kept mentioning TCKs, TCKs, TCK this, TCK that. I wrote on my, my notepad here, I wrote TCK to the guy next to me. He went, hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, we're near the end of the meeting, and I finally went, I, I got a silly question. What is a TCK? And they went, oh, man, we're sorry. We thought everybody knew that. Okay, I'm the dunce in the room. So, uh, it's third culture kids. Third culture kids. Well, it, there are these, we're talking about missionaries, kids, right? Uh, they grew up in, let's just say, Colorado. That's their first culture. They moved to Taiwan. That's their second culture. And, and then, but they, they really don't relate to them anymore, and they, they're never going to be Taiwanese. So there's a third culture. All these MKs, these missionary kids, kind of create a third culture. And we were talking about how we as an organization, the International Mission Board, can help support them and help them grow and and so anyway, it all made sense once I learned that I just didn't know. I didn't know what TCK stood for. We're in a series called Disciple. And it will not be okay with me for the people that sit in this church, that sit under my teaching, to be able to say, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that that's what Jesus expected from his disciples. That will not be okay. So we're spending these six, eight weeks just looking at Jesus' words himself about what he expects from his disciples. They're not, they're not secondary level standards. These are entry level standards. I was telling somebody before the service today, I'm not looking forward to today's message. This series of messages is not a church growth series. This isn't a series where people walk out just, man, I'm so ready to go. I'm fired up. I'm excited. This series is, is really, it's, there's no way to water it down. There's no way for me to sweeten and tickle your ears with, with these things. Because I'm going to tell you something. The standard that Jesus is setting for me and for you, it's not easy. But there's one thing for sure. You will not be able to walk out of here and say, I didn't know. I just didn't know. So, 
We've come a long ways. And by the way, I, I want to encourage you, church, in this. Um, we got a report while we were at the meeting that this year's Lottie Moon Christmas offering, remember that? We had the thermometer out there in the, in the foyer. This year's receipts to this point is the third largest receipt uh, for Lottie Moon Christmas offering that supports four missionaries in the history of IMB. And so uh, I just want to encourage you with that. I want to thank you for your generosity. We took our inch because by the inch it's a cinch, but by the yard it's hard, man. When only a few churches have to tote the mail for everybody, it's hard. But when every church will take an inch, it's a cinch, man. And we can reach the world with the gospel. We're celebrating International Mission Board. I'm, I'm giving a, a plug for IMB. We are celebrating 175 years of having our missionaries on foreign land sharing the gospel. And guys, we've we got to keep it up, man. We've got to help finish the task, complete the task of getting the, the word of Jesus to all unreached peoples around this planet. And the task is big. The task is big. So we continue in this series. Today we're in Luke chapter 9. And if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I should have said that a few minutes ago, turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, we took in 80, I'm going to say roughly $8,600. We set a goal of $7,500. So we took, we went past our goal. Uh, on that, so thank you for that, church. Oh. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot, Dad. I don't know that number off the top of my head. It's over 150 million, I believe. Uh, so, please don't quote me on that. But we're in Luke. Chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and we're back in verse 23. In this verse, we got a trio of imperative verbs. There's three of them. Last week we looked at the first one, this week we're going to look at the second one, and next week we'll look at the final of this trio. These are, these are things that Jesus is setting out for his disciples. He says, those who would come after me or those who would follow me. Last week we looked at denying self. That I don't put me at the front of the line every week, I put Jesus at the front of the line. And every place that I go, he's at the front of the line, he's the priority, I consult him, I run all of my decisions through the, the filter of Jesus. It's not about me, I deny me, I put Jesus first. And this week's message it, it turns it up a notch even more. You can see at the top of your page, if you've got an outline when you came in. If not, there's, hopefully there's some more uh, back there on the tables. But I titled the message this week, A Disciple of Christ, not only, number one, uh, number one, somebody help me, loves, loves Jesus most, Second, lives in his word. Third, denies self. And this week, is prepared to die. How do I sweeten that up for you? How do I soften that up and say, yeehaw? 
He's talking to this huge crowd that he just fed, and they're excited for another free meal, and they're following Jesus. He turns around and gives them this word, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to love me most. You're going to live in my teaching. You're going to abide in my, you're going to follow my example. If you're going to follow me, you're going to deny you, your passions, your desires. You're going to put me and my priorities first. And you're going to pick up your cross and follow me. Now, just think about it for a second. This first century audience that he's speaking to, you think they understood what a cross was and what a cross was used for? For us, check this out, for us, what do we do with them? We wear them. They're really pretty. I bet there's people in the room today that have a cross around their neck. We put them on our stage. It's it's kind of our flag. My wall, one of the walls in my office is completely covered with crosses. We decorate, but they're beautiful. Those people would have understood a cross to be one thing. It was ugly. It was painful. And it is what the Romans used to do what? To kill people. It was death. And so Jesus, he speaks these words And this first century audience would have have understood completely what he meant by taking up your cross daily. It was an instrument of death. I mean, we could could use our language today. Jesus says, hey, if you're going to follow me, you pick up your electric chair, follow me. What? I think this phrase is misused. I think that people... uh, misuse this phrase often. You might have a boss that is, uh, he's just or she's just mean, spiteful, hard, and, and people will say things like, well, that's just the cross I have to bear. You may have been betrayed by a friend or even a loved one or a spouse, and it's, you know, I just have to bear that cross of pain for the rest of my life. Maybe it's a child that has gone wayward, whatever it is, oh, that's just my cross that I have to bear. Friends, listen, we all face storms. But in this context, that's not the cross that Jesus is talking about. The cross that these first century hearers of this message would have understood Jesus is saying, man, I've got to be prepared. If I'm going to follow him, I have to be prepared to face rejection that might even lead to death. I think of, I think of dying for, for a religious cause. My mind, I don't know if your mind does, but my mind goes, well, man, that's for radical people of uh, that live in the Middle East. I mean, that's what they, that's what they do. They fly planes in, in the... I mean, that's what they do. That's not what Christians do. They're the ones that are radical. They're the ones that are like out there. They're the ones that are willing to die for their faith. Friends, listen. None of us will be able to walk out of this room today and say, I just didn't know. Nobody ever told me that when I, I gave my life to Jesus that he expects entry-level expectation of me to be willing to face rejection, and it might even lead to death. Let's close in prayer.
the looks that I'm getting from everybody. Joel, you can go ahead and finish this up, man. You can go ahead and hurry up and finish this one up because this is, Jesus is asking, I hear you, girl. (laughs) Jesus is asking too much. That's over the top, man. Okay, Joel, I'm going to be okay with loving him most. I got that. He's not asking me to hate my relatives, but he's asking me to love him most. Okay, I'm good. He's asking me to stay in his word and teaching. Okay, Joel, I'm good with that, too. I've even started reading my Bible more than I usually do, Joel. I want to be in his word. I want to learn from his example, and I want to live for him. I really do. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And Joel, last week, that whole thing about putting him at the front of the line and, and making me second and third and him first and others and me. and then, Okay, I'm good with that. It's been difficult. I've been trying it this week. And I've noticed when my pride comes to the surface, I've noticed when... when when I think about me and my wants first, and I'm really trying to do better. I'm not perfect. Joel, I even had an apple fritter moment this last week when my old self, my flesh, came back into to the scene, and I knew what, I shouldn't do that, but, man, that apple fritter looked good. But, Joel, to ask me to be prepared to die? Come on, man. Hurry up and tie a bow on this one, Joel. Let us get to the Super Bowl this afternoon. Let us, I don't want to think about this, Joel. I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with this. Not one person in this room will be able to walk out of here today and say, I didn't know that Jesus wants all of me, that he wants every part of me, that when I live fully devoted for him, that I'm going to stand out in this world now, we see passages in Scripture that call this generation, is speaking of that one, but I believe it applies to this crooked and perverse generation. When you and I live in a way, when we pattern our life after our master, after our king, after our Lord and Savior, we will stand out. And as we sat together as elders this morning and read, somebody brought up John chapter 15, where it says that they hated, Jesus said, they hated me first. You should not be surprised that they're going to hate you. When we live a life devoted to Jesus, the world will see it, and the world will notice it. And just something, we just got to say it up front. We got to get it out on the table. We need to be prepared to face rejection. They will reject us. Look at what they did to Jesus. They rejected him to the point of cross. Are you and I prepared for that? It's so good to see smiles on your faces out there this morning. I want to read the passage. I don't want to walk through this and not even pick up the word of God and allow his word to speak. Will you stand with me if you're able? I'm just going to read our our text that we've been in, Luke chapter 9, 23 through 27. Jesus speaking here, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and, my, and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Father, we ask this morning that your holy, ancient, precious, beautiful words would shape us. Lord, we would walk out of here today not only with a greater insight of what you want from us, but Lord, we would walk out of here with a greater uh, gumption, a greater desire, a greater fervor to be a disciple of yours. We, we hear the truth. We see it. We're big people. We're able to handle it and process, but Lord, but I, I don't want us to just handle it and process it, Lord. I want every one of us to live it. And I pray that you would do that in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross daily. I want you to listen to how Eugene Peterson, he, he paraphrased the, the Bible and, uh, into the message. Maybe you've heard of that paraphrase. I want you to listen to how he says, and you can read along with me here, uh, Luke 9, 23. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who attend, intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. There's the deny yourself part. Now check out the picking up your cross part. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Uh, part of our discussion this morning as we sat and just uh, our, our elders uh, meet every first and third Wednesday, Sunday morning of the month and just what's God putting on your heart, what's God showing you as you study scripture. Part of our discussion was about the church and how the church handles a lot of the hot topics that are going on in our culture today. But I sat there and processed, man, how does this apply to me and to you personally? How do you and I live a life that, is, that loves Jesus most, that lives in his word, that, that, that puts him first? And I deny myself, and, and I know that when I live for him, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to face rejection. I'm prepared for that. How do you in your workplace my workplace is different. I get it. I understand. But in your workplace, how are, how are you going to live in a way that, that lives out the love of Jesus within you to the point where the world notices this light that is in you? In fact, what does it look like with your coworkers when your life becomes like a mirror and the light from heaven shining upon you and reflecting off of you and boom? Your coworkers are impacted by the light that is within you. What? Man, that's where I want this to play out. I want, I want our lives to be so reflective of him that the world sees it and the world notices it. Church, I pray for you in that. 
As Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, he said, man, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what, that's the standard that Jesus has for me and you. I mentioned it last week. Disciples of Christ are not afraid to die because they're already dead. Are you and I prepared for suffering or, or do we run from it? I, I would love for you to talk about in the car this week. Am I, am I prepared? Am, am I willing to live in a way that I know the world will reject what I believe? Or do I hide it? Do I run from, from what my faith in Jesus might bring my way? Do I run from that or do I live in a way that I'm ready and I'm prepared to face any persecution, any rejection that the world is going to have for me? Will you talk about that in your life group this week? Just bring it up. Maybe it's an intro conversation. Why is this so hard for us? What are we afraid of? And may I suggest that I would, I would say we're afraid of rejection. Huh? I'm probably different from all the other guys in this room. But when I was in high school, I was terrified of something. Middle school and high school, I'm telling you, terrified. You want to know what it was? Any of you guys want to guess? Girls. (laughs) I know the rest of you guys were confident in this and that. I was terrified of girls. I wouldn't talk to them. Why? Because I was afraid of rejection. And I'm just suggesting. You can agree or disagree with me. I mean, you can disagree if you want to be wrong. But I'm suggesting that one of the reasons that Christians aren't as reflective of Jesus as we could or should be is because we're afraid of rejection. Talk about it in the car. Agree or disagree. I I mean, folks, listen, this is a down, boots on the ground, real life issue. Am I afraid of suffering? Is that why I don't shine like I should? Jesus looked at his disciples, remember this? He said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth, man. Let your light shine. Oh, we, we've been singing some children's songs lately. You remember this one in, in, in uh, Vacation? This little light of mine. Huh? I'm gonna... This little light of mine. I'm gonna... That's so, uh, not going to hide it under a bushel. Okay, I'll say that's enough. Hey, adults, we need to sing that more often. Huh? Don't we? I think we've forgotten that simple truth. Oh, there's another one that we sang as adults. I haven't, I haven't actually 
held a hymnal in my hand and sung this song, but some of you have it memorized. It's the words to a hymn that I've mentioned recently, and it's called, I Surrender All. Huh? I have the words here somewhere in my outline. There it is. I'm way off my notes. The words of this hymn say this, all to Jesus, I surrender. Part to him, I freely give. I will sometimes love him and trust him. In his presence, weakly live. No, it doesn't say that. All to Jesus, I surrender. All. All to Jesus. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him, ever, in his presence, daily live. There's another thing. I'm, I'm going I'm to climb up on a soapbox for a second. David, this is probably one of your soapboxes as well. I'm just afraid sometimes we come in churches and sing words that are up on a screen, and the words that are coming out of our mouth are a lie. All to Jesus I surrender. Part, no, not all the time. Just, I, I don't freely give it. I mean, I give it, but it's not freely. I, can you see where I'm going? There's no way to soften this up. Are you and I ready to live a life that is willing and prepared to face rejection from this crooked and perverse generation that we live in. Jesus says, those who will come after me, they'll pick up their cross daily. Daily. A few things. I want to point these out before we, before we head off. A few things that we can learn about taking up our cross. The first one is this. It's humbling. Those, those original hearers of this word from Jesus would have understood a person picking up that cross beam and carrying it through the streets to their death. We remember, we've seen the Passion of Christ, the movie, and, and Jesus carrying that and half clothed, half naked, and walking through the streets, how humbling that must have been. I'm giving in to the government. They said I've done something wrong, and now I'm paying a punishment for it. In fact, those original hearers would have most likely been very aware and have walked in or out of that, that northern road coming from the north from Rome into the city of Jerusalem where they would have hung and crucified. The Romans would have hung and crucified criminals so that people could see, and they would hang from the cross a sign. This one says he's risen. But, but those people that were crucified would have had a sign hung from the top of the cross with the crime that they had committed so that people would go, hmm, I better not do that. And for you and I to live a life that is prepared to face rejection, it will be humbling at times. It won't be easy. We will have to humble ourselves. You can see why Jesus put these two phrases together. Deny yourself 
and pick up your cross. Not only put me first, but folks, listen, be prepared. The world is going to reject you. Second thing I want to point out is that it's an all-in decision. Taking up our cross, it's all-in. There's no, there's no straddling the fence. It's You've declared it. You've put on your letter jacket. You've worn your 49ers jersey. I'm all in on the 49ers today. I've worn my Atwater jersey. I'm excited for him in the Hall of Fame. You know, uh, it's all in. Everyone can see it. Everyone knows. I mean, it's easy to wear our jersey uh, when we're standing amongst everybody else that wears the same jersey, right? I mean, it's easy to be a Broncos fan when, when everyone else is a Broncos fan. That's easy. But it's not as easy when everyone else around you. I mean, this guy's all in, right? This cheesehead is all in. Sitting, it's not Chris. I had to look real close, but it's not. He's sitting amongst the enemy. He says, I don't care. I'm all in. And friends, listen, listen. Jesus has given us clear identifying characteristics of his disciples. It's going to be humbling at times, and it's an all-in decision. It's an all-in decision. I surrender all. I wonder what our lives would look like. I wonder what our marriages would look like if we said, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm all in, man. I wonder what our finances would look like. If we, man, I'm laying my checkbook before the Lord. And my financial decisions, that's running through the filter of Jesus. I'm all in. I wonder what our parenting would look like. I wonder what our weekends would look like. Remember the story of the rich young ruler in the New Testament? Came to Jesus and says, man, I, hey, I've done all what the Old Testament says to do. I've done all the commandments. I'm good. Jesus says, there's one thing you haven't done. Go sell everything you got. Come follow me. I mean, he got the invite from the man. Come follow me. The same follow me that he said to Matthew, the tax collector. Hey, Amen. Go sell it all. Come follow me. And what happened? He walked away sad because he had great possessions. This, this idea of picking up our cross and following him is an all-in decision. It's humbling. Third thing that we can see is that it's daily. It's a daily decision. When you get up tomorrow, I'm in today. And I know what meetings I have today. I'm in. It's a daily decision. And the last point and probably the most important point I can make, and we see it in verse 24, is that it's life-changing. Going all in with Jesus is life-changing. He says, what good does it do a man? I'm sorry, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. And I wonder if today you might be here And have never given your life over to the Lordship of Jesus. You, you've lived for you. You've done it your way. 
you know you've messed up, and you hear us talk about sin in churches often, and this and that, and you go, yeah, I got some of those. But today I need, I just got to let you know that God loves you so much that he was willing to send his son Jesus and die on a cross, shed his blood for you, and pay the penalty and price and take the punishment for your sin. That's how much he loves you. And you might be sitting here thinking, uh, Joel, you don't have any idea how much sin I have in my life. And I can tell you without any reservation that there is no possible way you can outsin the reach of God's love for you. Can't do it. And the Bible tells us that when we trust in Jesus, when we ask for his forgiveness of our sins, that he'll do that. He's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And invite him to come and, and take over. Take over. And be the Lord of our life. You can do that today. But can I make something very clear? He has some expectations for you. That you love him most. That you live in his word. That you deny self. And check this out. It's not easy. Be prepared to live in a way that will bring about rejection. Possibly even death. That's just an expectation. You need to count the costs before you make this commitment. But can I tell you that making a decision to give your life to Jesus will not only change your life now, it'll change your life for eternity. For eternity. The biggest and best decision you could ever make is to take Jesus at his word and receive his forgiveness and invite him to be your Lord and Savior. Will you do that today? Christian, let me ask you this. I want you to close your Bibles. Let's close it up. While you're, while you're there, in a moment, I'm going to give God a, a few moments to have the last word. But I want, to, I want to ask you a couple of questions before we do that. I wonder if there are some things that you're holding back today from God. Is it finances? Is it attitude? Is it your marriage? Is it your health? Is it your work? What, what might it be that you're holding back? God, I'm, I'm going to keep, I, I really do have the best idea of what's best for me here, God, so I'm going to hold on to this one. And is today a day that the word of God doesn't thin the crowd out, but today is a day where the word of God strengthens believers with new resolve to follow him in a way that is ref it ref my life reflects him more. Because listen, at work, I don't care. I don't care that you reject me. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And I'm not here to save my life. I'm here to live my life for him. Is there something you're holding back today? If so, let's surrender it. Let's surrender it to Jesus today. Let's stop and take just a moment of, of silence and allow God to have the last word.